0: And welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Losanti, joined by my co-host Aaron Verola.
1: Yo! What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 72 of the Fanboy Garage. Happy to be back with you guys. Uh, dropping this one a little early. It's Tuesday that we're recording this, but you guys should be getting this on Wednesday. I uh, just want to get ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. I hope you and yours are going to have an amazing Thanksgiving break. Get fat off of lots of turkey stuffing, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, gravy, mac and cheese, ZD if you're Puerto Rican, <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Chris, we got a nice. Wait, going I'm on.
0: sorry. Hold on a second. Ziti if you're Puerto Rican?
1: Dude, we eat ZD for like every holiday.
0: <laughs> wow, I've never heard even, that before. With it I like mean,
1: pops up in most random places. Because
0: like I'm Italian and I've never heard that before.
1: Yeah, we we eat baked ZD. Got it for for uh, Thanksgiving. All right, Well I... of course with the staple rice and beans, mashed potatoes is like hardly ever on our menu.
0: Okay
1: for Thanksgiving, um, but you better believe ZD is.
0: Wow. <laughs> I... All right. Well, that's the show, everybody. Thanks. There you go. I... Hashtag I ziti. I don't even remember where what I was going to say before that. Um... Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, why don't we remind everybody about the contest that we still have going on?
1: Yes, that's right. So, um, on our Twitter feed, if you want a chance to win for free, uh, your very own copy of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for PS4, uh, please find our post, like it, retweet it, follow us. And tell us about what your favorite Star Wars moment is, or your favorite moment in all of Star Wars and why. And uh, you will be entered for your chance to win a copy of that game. We will announce the winner on the next episode, uh, which will come on December 5th.
0: Yeah, and we've already gotten a, whole, a lot of responses back, some really good ones. So, yeah, get yeah. those in now, and, um, yeah, that'll be really awesome. For sure. Um. So I just, uh, before we get into like the real topics so for the week um i assume did you, you didn't go make your uh, way out to see frozen two did you this weekend
1: no I, I i actually need to um obviously my my daughter is all about it she's got like frozen socks and like two different frozen purses and a elsa blanket and yeah so uh she was reminding us that uh she needs to go see the movie but yeah it, Get killed at the box office, yes, didn't it, it did
0: a hundred thirty million dollar opening weekend,
1: God damn,
0: yeah, it actually uh was higher than the original estimate uh, for the weekend on Sunday when the actuals came in mm-hmm. uh and like something like three hundred and seventy or three hundred sixty million worldwide um shocking that frozen two is gonna be a massive hit,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was funny because i I was reading early maybe it was like two weeks ago that it was uh it was actually trending. Turning way below, like uh, there was a story. It was like, did Frozen Age out? Like, did the audience of right? I saw that. Frozen Age out. Yeah. yeah, guess not. Well,
0: if <laughs> if it did, uh, they even came. That audience either went back, and then there's a new audience too. Because yeah. of, you know, I mean, the reviews were were good, not spectacular. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, usually with sequels like this, you don't always know. I mean, I expected it to be a very big hit, don't get me wrong, but I think, you know, these days you never know sometimes with stuff like this, and right. I think they were taking the cautious approach to yeah. the estimates, but clearly that was not necessary.
1: I mean, Toy Stories in its fourth, you know... Fourth run, yeah. Hopefully, that, that's the end of that. But, uh, m- matter of fact, I did, I've been on a tear with Disney, Disney Plus, like Netflix, who, um, <laughs> haven't turned that on at all. <laughs> um, watched the first Toy Story, and I gotta tell you, uh, for a movie that dropped in the 90s, yeah, uh, it's it was well, well, you know, beyond its time, but it, it hasn't aged well from an animation perspective, which is amazing because, you know, just in the, I guess, 20 or so years since it's been around because i think it was 99 ish uh that the movie dropped maybe even earlier than that um animations moved so far like the um, emotion uh that's conveyed on those camera, it just anyways it's still a great movie but uh, yeah, you can definitely see that it's got a little rust on it. But yeah, uh, Toy Story is
0: 1995, and wow, so I, even yeah, yeah, I know that because it's funny. I was just talking the other day with somebody about that, how we could not believe that the first door Toy Story came out in
1: 1995. Wow. Um. So wow. damn. Y- okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was like, oh, man, I was too old to see that movie, and I was like, nah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we're going on the 25th anniversary of that movie, which is t- terrifying to think of. Bananas. But, yeah. Bananas. I Well, damn, I mean, that was still, you know, in the the infancy, right, of, yeah, of computer all
1: Yeah, computer-generated animation.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting. I haven't watched the original in a really long time. But I'll probably give it a shot now that you've said that, just to see. Yeah. Because it's, it's going to be interesting. I will tell
1: you the thing. So... Woody, you know Woody and and Buzz and all the characters, they they still look great. You know, obviously the they're a little stiff on the face. Where you start to notice it is is one in the fur of the dog. Okay. And the way and the, the way that the dog moves,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's it's a little it's a little wonky. But uh, suffice it to say, it's still you know like I said, it, it's a good movie. But you can see how far things have kind of come if you've seen Toy Story four or even anything recent, um, where. You know things. Things now look like they've been actually touched and used. So, like the Lego Movie, for example, uh, is a great example because that engine put fingerprints on the on the Lego Lego's face as if someone put it together themselves. It's you know so right. it, it's it yeah. And that movie's old. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, enough of that. Yeah. Back to the box.
0: Well, I mean that's really the the only story here. I mean. It's not much else going on, box office-wise. um. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff's tanking, like Charlie's Angels and whatnot, but... Yeah. You know, Terminator really? tanked. Oh, huh? gosh.
1: Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Charlie's Angels, did we really... Did we really need to... uh Well, really I mean, was- and I
0: know Elizabeth Banks caused a controversy. She was blaming it on, like, you know, sexism and stuff sure. like that, but... Look, when I saw the trailer for that movie for the first time, I didn't even know it was, like, a thing. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? And my immediate reaction was, like, wow. Like, I didn't even knew this movie was being made. I didn't even realize it was coming out. And apparently I wasn't the only person. You know, it's just you can't keep going to the well with these properties over and over and over again. Um you know it has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that this was not a movie that anybody wanted it wasn't a movie that anybody needed yeah. um yeah and it's just it's unnecessary so i don't you know don't get defensive just because you happen to you know make a movie that nobody asked for
1: right i mean everyone's looking for their their new franchise right they're hoping to probably get a hit and make another well, another two more of those films yeah. and you can't say it's sexism because a movie a movie like hustlers over overachieved in the box sure. office So,
0: there's that. I mean, look, um, I like Elizabeth Banks, but and I think she's really talented. This was a misstep. But, you know, you just said it, though. People are looking for the new franchise. Well, then give us a new franchise. Right. (laughs) Don't keep recycling old franchises. Yeah. So, that was really the... And I mean, we saw it with Terminator. I mean, what are we going to blame on the failures of that movie? You can't blame it on sexism. No. Definitely not. It's just the same thing. They're the same issue. Just mm-hmm. people didn't want those movies. They're tired of that. Tired of those franchises. Yeah, it's
1: beating the dead horse yeah. to a bloody pulp. Sure. It's like yeah. Anyways. So that aside. Yes. What so, else have we got?
0: Well, so Variety had a an article mm-hmm. or a story about D C and future of D C and was causing a lot of uh, a lot of conversation, of course, as you can imagine, right? So, just some of the highlights of this story, um, you know, it's really talking about, you know, going back, you know, the the missteps or you know whatnot of the you know the original idea, um, and how Walter Hamada is, you know, maybe becoming more comfortable. They're saying with backing comic book movies for adults, right? Because mm-hmm. so the studio is getting more into it, so Joker clearly becomes a, a huge hit, right? And right. it was the first DC release to get an R rating. Um, they're saying though, Birds of Prey. Now I'm not sure what this means, but it says Birds of Prey is also expected to get a similar rating. So
1: yeah, I mean, I I, um, I heard that, um, and I think I think I heard that before before this piece, this Variety piece. Um, fine. Yeah, great. I mean, if they if they think that that's like the secret sauce, like the magic potion, um great, go for it. Uh I don't think you can you can th- slap an R rating on all of your comic book properties and expect a blockbuster. Um I also heard the same thing about the new suicide squad. Well, that's what they're
0: saying. So it says but it's interesting it says birds of prey is also expected to get a similar rating. Not the same rate. So, what does that mean? A similar rate? Is similar as they saying it's supposed to be get an R rating? Because there's really not much like with ratings. They just are what they are, right?
1: Yeah, it's either it's, you, you're an R. Yeah, you, they are what they are.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, it's but an it, R with an R. Yeah, exactly. R God. But uh, it does say though that um, they're predicting that James Gunn's upcoming Suicide Squad sequel will also be an R rating. Um, But that Birds of Prey is not going to be in the pitch black, grim vein of Joker. It's more humorous spirited, girl gang adventure, uh, but not one for younger children. Um, And that's really the key to this this whole section of this article right there. They believe that the studios hit upon a strategy where 20th Century Fox, you know, they're saying has backed R-rated comic book movies such as Deadpool and Logan. But after being bought out by Disney, they don't think that that's something that they're going to be focusing on going forward. So
1: that, that Disney ball that.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um, so now here's the opportunity for DC to kind of swoop in now. The, interesting though, <laughs> so before stupid. I get into the next part of this, cause we talked about this a little bit, I think and it, 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 we were responding to a question that Ron diesel had asked us, um, on another show, but I'll, we'll get into it again. The idea of this R rated superhero movie stuff, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. They're saying there's a huge appetite for R-rated superhero movies. If Marvel isn't going to step up, then that presents an opening for DC to tap into the audience. But now, what, what this article fails to kind of go is, with, like, how do we explain the success of Aquaman and Wonder Woman? Right. I mean, so it's not, again, it's not just about the R. Yeah, sure, it can work... But did Joker make a billion dollars because it got an R rating? No no it no. it grossed a billion dollars because it was the perfect storm of a popular character a movie that people wanted to see it generated a huge buzz it got controversy which turned into even more buzz. Mm-hmm. you had a, a people were talking about an Oscar winning performance by you know potential. You know, Oscar-nominated performance by Joaquin Phoenix. Like all of that is why it made the money that it made. Um, The rating, I I don't know. I don't know that anybody was like, "Oh my God, Joker got an R." Now I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there may be a couple people that did that, but
1: The Dark Knight made a billion dollars. Had got got a posthumous Oscar, right for Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker. That was a PG-13 film. (laughs) <laughs> right so
0: yeah i mean we've I, seen, uh, yeah
1: we've seen you know dc movies
0: that weren't r-rated in this in this run like aquaman that made a billion dollars
1: yeah i don't you know i don't i don't get it I don't, I don't and you know the thing is this whole even the way that the media is spinning it this like well if marvel doesn't step up like there's clearly an opportunity here it's like what it this again it's not a marvel versus dc thing if dc is very comfortable right. with some some of their characters living in the r realm
0: good yes. great
1: that's great for all comic book movies sure right um you're not the first to do it the and if you're if you found success in with one of your characters mainly a villain and you're you know they're kind of leaning in on that fine you know the 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 difference is it's going to be interesting because i think the differences between what you what you'll be presented in birds of prey versus what joker is i'd love to see how those movies perform just because there are films and i'll guarantee that the joker will outperform birds of prey
0: yeah i don't i i said this before and um when i saw the trailer i told you that i thought birds of prey was going to make a ton of money based on the trailer yeah i don't know what that means um, I certainly didn't expect Joker to do over a billion dollars. I thought it would do really well. So it's hard to tell. But but yeah, I mean, I think you just hit on it, though. For me, it's not so much about, oh, great, we're going to make R-rated superhero films. It's th- it's the idea of the diversity. That's what excites me. And that's right. really the message here. And And they don't really touch on it in this article because they're focused on the R rating. The R-rated movies means diversity. It means that... They're willing to make the movie the right movie for the character, and they're mm-hmm. not sticking to like a formula because it's not Marvel. It's not the MCU. It's not this big, giant universe that everything has to be a part of and everything right. has to fit in where there's not a lot of variety. I mean, there's variety in a, in a way, but the tone and the feel of those movies is similar. Or at least it fits into a, a mold, right? It, even the ones that kind of vary as far as like maybe the humor or the music or whatever, but they still fit, right? It's family right. friendly stuff. So that's what's exciting for me for DC, because DC has this diverse crop of of characters.
1: And they always I mean, and they always have, and, and yeah. here's the thing like this isn't DC's first rodeo at this either, because DC or Warner Brothers backed films like V for Vendetta which was a R-rated film. And while that's a graphic novel, it's still, you know, it's still based on a comic, a comic character, the Watchmen. You know what I mean? There's, there are a slew of these type films that in my mind were great because, you know, they were made, they were catered to a particular audience, a mature audience, and they stuck the landing with a lot of, you know, with the, the way that they created the films and the way that they portrayed the characters. That's great. You can't just, slapping our rating on you know say a superman for example and go oh yeah that's that's just not that's not gonna work
0: and i don't think they're going to do that
1: no no no. i'm just i'm just you know saying it for just to say it but um i'm okay if birds of prey for example is a pg-13 film i don't really think it hurts or helps the film to be honest with you sure um And, you know, if if their idea is like, oh, you know, this is our ticket to the to the continuous one billion club, like, I don't think that's going to work. No.
0: And I don't think they're saying I mean, obviously, this is just Variety's opinion. Take on it. But, you know, the thing is, too, and you mentioned it before, how, you know, Birds of Prey, regardless of their similar ratings, (laughs) um, Birds of Prey and Joker are going to be very different films.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah,
0: but so if they do wind up both getting R ratings that's pretty much and that and the fact that they exist in the Batman world that's going to be what they have in common. The tone and the feel are going to be very different and that's why the rating itself doesn't really make that much of a difference. Right,
1: exactly. Because
0: you can have two movies where the tone and the look and the feel can be very different and they're both comic book-ish movies but they both got R ratings. So it's not about the the rating to me i mean deadpool is very different from joker right
1: right, and logan
0: is kind of different from both of them right so
1: yeah
0: you know yeah i don't know but it goes does go on though uh it says beyond embracing the darker undercurrents of the dc canon the company is also revisiting characters that they believe were ill-served by previous big screen adventures Green Lantern Corps remains a priority, despite the fact that 2011's Green Lantern was a high-profile commercial disaster. Mm. And Jeff Johns is delivering a script at the end of the year.
1: Oh, there goes that name again. Yep,
0: the project may be presented to J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot to see if the company would be interested in producing the picture. However, Greg Berlanti... Uh, another major talent on the Warner lot is partnering with Johns on a Green Lantern television show. The speculation that relationship could lead to his involvement in a feature film. Hmm. So I I love how they they mention the fact that um, oh they'll still make another Green Lantern movie despite the fact that the 2011 movie failed. Like that's ever stopped anybody before?
1: Right. I mean,
0: uh... <laughs> I mean, how many Punisher movies have we made? Terminator
1: Genesis. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know. I yeah
1: I don't Oh gosh. Yeah,
0: I mean these characters we've gone through multiple reboots of Spider-Man, of Superman, of Batman, of you know, like I said Punisher and things like that and and people we you know, they made Captain America again after those disastrous movies. Yeah. So, I mean they'll give Fantastic 4 another shot too, you know? I mean right. I, yeah, so the idea that that movie is that's it, that would be the end of the Green Lantern uh property forever yeah, I mean there's so
1: there's so much stuff wrong with that film
0: <laughs> with green oh well yeah, yeah
1: there's a lot, I mean you, there, there's lots to correct I'm sure, sure. we'll get it the second time
0: Yeah and I mean the thing is though and that is an expansive universe by itself right like green lantern could almost be
1: Oh, his own, yeah. Like its
0: own little universe, right? Because you'll have the whole core. So, I mean, they could, there's plenty of room to have a, a Green Lantern television show or like on HBO and, Max. And, uh, yeah. And still have right. movies because, you know, who knows what the show is going to focus on.
1: Right. It'd be cool to see some crossover stuff happen. Of course. There, but...
0: Why not? I mean, listen, this is what, so not that, again, we don't want them necessarily have to follow the same model, but I mean, look at what Marvel's doing with those uh marvel studios disney plus shows they're Mm -hmm. gonna tie in it doesn't have to be to that extreme but like there's no reason why that hbo max green lantern series couldn't tie into a potential green lantern core movie franchise i think it's smart i think it's a good idea Mm -hmm. not sure why you wouldn't want to do that um I think it would be nice to I like having the variety like I like having the, the you know what the CW did and and is doing um but I think eventually it would be nice to have a little synergy between screen and uh, big screen and small screen. Mm-hmm. Not with everything, but with certain things. Well,
1: well apparently uh speaking of the CW shows the uh Crisis on Infinite Earths uh Superman uh, played well, by Brandon Routh, okay. is actually <laughs> the same one from Returns. I yeah. Read that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. well, they... Look, this thing, Christ, this <laughs> Crisis of Infinite Arts, I mean, you talk about a gift to people, <laughs> like a gift to fans all around the world. This is going to be like a complete celebration of all things DC live action. You know, like it. it's going to reference... Yeah. You know, that I mean, yeah, that fact that that is the Superman returns Brandon Routh and I mean, obviously Tom Welling's playing the Smallville Clark mm-hmm. Superman and so yeah, I mean and there's nods to the Keaton Batman and stuff like that that we saw, so right, Yeah,
1: right. this is
0: going to be wonderful. Just an incredible I'm I feel like I'm just going to be smiling for the whole
1: Can you imagine? Can you I mean, I'm I'm sure this is not going to happen if they ever pulled like a Christian Bale
0: well, wow, that,
1: yeah. Can you, I mean, sure. my mind would melt.
0: <laughs> or at least a reference, right?
1: I swear to God, I'd like, I'd, I think I'd tattoo the episodes on my back
0: somewhere. Oh, see, now it has to happen. That's crazy. Now. It'd yeah. be amazing. Absolutely. I mean,
1: they're bringing in freaking Kevin Conroy.
0: Yes, they are.
1: That's that's, that's awesome in of itself. Yeah. So.
0: That's my Batman. Yeah. 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 Uh so yeah so and then that article closed with a reference to the fact that they still have faith in Ezra Miller's interpretation of the Flash I don't but the thing <laughs> is there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to that and
1: so much baggage yeah
0: and he has I mean, he has commitments with Fantastic Beasts and stuff that like that movie, even if they do want to make it, won't even be able to shoot till like 2022 or something like that. So, So,
1: you know, you know, so kind of looping back into last week's conversation about the release of Snyder Cut and, you know, we talked a little bit and it's I know we were going to get to this anyways. To a certain degree, uh, which just this movement continues to build up steam and lots of conversations happening on all corners of the Internet. But I wonder if Joss Whedon's 80 plus additions to the script had stuff to do with The Flash and the way that he was portrayed, which everyone apparently loved. Right. So do you continue on with that version of uh, of The Flash or the version that Zack Snyder kind of gave us with, like, the long hair
0: Well, probably not. I mean, well, let's think about it, because, I mean, look at Wonder Woman in her solo film versus BVS. Oh, totally,
1: there's, like, two different characters.
0: I mean, it's, in a way, anyway. I mean, they retconned the whole, you know, backstory, basically. Right. And then in Justice League, it popped back up again, because they, obviously, those are pages that Joss Whedon didn't work on.
1: Right.
0: Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think they have to be beholden to anything. I I don't I don't think it matters. I don't see why you necessarily would make it. I mean, the Aquaman yeah, of that we Lecon saw an
1: entire stupidity.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Aquaman that we saw in just look and tone and everything was not Zack Snyder's original Aquaman. No. You know, in fact, I I saw um in a Walmart um like a couple of years ago, they had some um like BVS figures like right. in a bin and the if you look at the aquaman it's not even close right you know so yeah i mean they i don't see why they i think if they do what? make this flash film it's going to be it, it's not going to be beholden to any one vision i think of the character it's just going to be whatever they want it to be yeah for that they did some
1: really interesting you know i gotta give Aquaman, some credit here because they did some great work with like kind of cleaning some stuff up, like why his trident was different. Um, yeah. And say why it wasn't
0: a trident. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was his mother's. Yep. Um And then they, they kind of give him the real deal.
0: Yeah, that's a cool it, attention to detail thing. That. Yeah. It's you know they did there there was a thought process there for that and, and you know that it it actually that helped continuity.
1: You know, like what yeah, Wonder yeah. Woman
0: did, and as much as I love that movie, and it's great, don't get me wrong, but, like, they basically were like, yeah, why not? Forget it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Patty Jenkins was like, mm. Yeah. But at least I with Aquaman, they tried. You know, they tried yeah.
0: to connect it there and give you reasoning so that you had that continuity.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. Sure. So we have, um, and I know you haven't, uh, well, we we have some The Batman stuff right so talking about dc
1: yeah casting is i mean heating up um so we have our riddler and paul dano obviously robert pattinson's our batman and we, uh zoe kravitz is our catwoman slash selena kyle and commissioner gordon. john commissioner gordon jeffrey wright yep and recently announced john Totoro is playing carmine falcone
0: mm-hmm
1: is it falcone or falcone uh,
0: it's <laughs> this is another one of those.
1: I'm asking the right person.
0: Yes. So <laughs> it it should be Falcone. Um but that's another one of those that bounces around, right? Okay. Um and Batman Fal- begins, he was they were calling him Falcone, right? Yeah. So but yeah. It can go either way, but Okay. Yeah.
1: And um I don't know so and, and then I was Then again
0: something. did not do the whole don't even get me started on the whole Raish Al Ghul oh, Raz Al Ghul Ra's, thing but yeah. yeah it's a whole nother conversation.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um so yeah so um John cast as John uh sorry Carmine Falcone Falcone and um and then we've got Andy Circus I don't know if this is confirmed yet but in the role of Alfred Pennyworth. I think that's confirmed. And then as of today, I was doing some additional research before we got on here to see if, uh, Colin Farrell was confirmed. Um, seems like he is for the role of the penguin. Uh, I mean, Danny DeVito seems to, to think so. He's given his, uh, his blessing. Well, thank God um, for that. Yeah.
0: Now we can all uh, carry on.
1: So, uh, this cast is, is oh, ridiculous. That,
0: you know, I lost my mind. When I saw John Turturro cast in this movie, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God, I love John Turturro. He's yeah. fantastic. But then I see you tweeted out something about how people were like criticizing it. And I was people like,
1: people were losing their minds. I was like, wait it. a
0: minute. This is a thing? Like, Who wouldn't want John Turturro to be in this movie? Dude,
1: fandom, regardless of what it is, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, freaking Downtown Abbey, I don't care. Everyone's hating on something. I it get it, it but
0: John Turturro he should be like a unifier, right? We should oh, all yeah. agree on that one. What would be the criticisms of it that he, he doesn't come off as like no, hard like edged com- enough?
1: He's a like yeah, he's a comedic actor.
0: Well, really? Like,
1: so was Michael Keaton. Have
0: you seen The Night of?
1: I know that's what I well that's what I tweeted. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, oh. that's exactly what I tweeted. Yeah, I'm like anyone anyone who's out there naysaying John Turturro. Uh, in the role of Carmine Falcone, has not seen the night of,
0: and even his comedy is like it's more on the quirky dark side. It's not like you know he, you know he's not Adam Sandler. I mean, although he wasn't, you don't mess with the Zohan, which is an Adam Sandler movie and a great guilty pleasure of mine. Sure, but, um, but yeah, I mean he he's fantastic, and he's going to be great in this. I can't imagine that. You know, it'll be a different take on the character. You know, the one thing I wasn't in love with, I love Batman Begins, mm-hmm. but I, that version of that character was not my favorite. Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, I think it's going to be great. This cast, when you look at it, like someone lined it up on Twitter and they just like put all the names together. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely Wait. doing like the Nolan Donner thing, where it's like let's load up the cast top to bottom with like sure. really good actors.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it. It's looking it's looking good, and I'm I'm certainly mm-hmm. very very excited to see what uh, what he pulls together. I mean, I'd imagine you know uh, Colin Farrell, and we talked about about this kind of casting against type. Um. For someone like the penguin, I think is a is an excellent choice. Uh I'm interested to see how that shapes up. And and, and I still I still read, you know, is up for, you know, he's, he's vying for the role of, of Harvey Den, which I'm like, yeah, I don't
0: know about that. But well, I mean he's uh, great either way. I'm sure he's great and I'm sure he would be great in the role. I would just for prefer sure. them to be closer in age. Yeah. But Agreed. I could get over it quickly if if Matthew McConaughey's in it and it's great in it yep. I can get past that yeah I can get past a lot of things you know that's another one of those things it's like sometimes these are comic book films you have to just suspend disbelief sometimes if I can you know be accepting of Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne 100% then he I, as a the joker yeah either, then I'm good with if if Matthew McConaughey winds up being Harvey Dent then and he's great at it great so
1: yeah, I mean they're stacking it up with some some major players I mean you've got if they do, Harvey Dent, you got Harvey Dent, the Penguin, the Riddler, Catwoman.
0: Right. Well, you know? this is it's it's starting to look like the kind of Batman movie I've been hoping for. Yeah. Um, you know, like a a long Halloween type deal where it's like all of the Rogues Gallery is in play, even if they're not the main, you know, vill- Just the fact that they all exist in this world, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's got me very excited.
1: And shots are... I mean, the, the film is rumored to have significant play at uh, Arkham Asylum, so...
0: Or at least some... Depending on who you ask, um, it's either going to be significant play in Arkham Asylum, or there will be some scenes in Arkham Asylum. Even
1: still, I mean, that's also a great great opportunity to kind of pepper... Yes, absolutely. Pepper some of those folks and, in there.
0: And maybe set up the future movies as well.
1: Right. You know, right. some
0: villains for the future movies. They may I'm just... Wonderful. We'll see Harley Quinn. Oh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Uh, or at least a, an early version, right? Yeah. So, I mean, everything's in play, right? Because it's not connected, and or it is, and whatever. So, I guess it's all in play, technically. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Star Wars released a clip that you haven't watched because you're staying no. away from stuff at this point I did watch it, it's brief it's awesome though, it just again, I it just feels so Star Wars mm. um, so yeah, I guess I don't need to say that I'm excited for Rise of Skywalker um, yeah, I just
1: I want everyone to just shut up and watch the movie stop arguing about The Last Jedi which I'm very guilty of um, and stop trying to pick apart like every bit of the film and I'm, I'm just lock yourself away and let's get ready for this because this is going to be a great, a great experience for better or worse.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, people need to put away like, look, you're, you're someone who's into like the books, right. And all the stuff. Yeah. But look, we know when Disney bought it, they told everybody this isn't, that stuff is not canon anymore. Right. Uh, not all of it anyway.
1: So, after so once they bought it and they started the the sort of march towards the force awakens yeah all of the books uh that they were introducing at that point were considered canon uh or anything that came before the force awakens right. with the exception of like the movies and and some some of the tv shows uh went into the what they call legends yes um
0: Yeah, I didn't mean, obviously, I mean, the stuff that's come out since, obviously, under them is canon, clearly. But I meant all of that stuff. My point is that I've seen people referencing and arguing, like, well, this happened in this book and that book. It's like, guys, get past it already. I get it. You invested time. You read it. You experienced it. It's great. That's fine. But this is a new thing now. And don't it's still your experience, but, and you don't have to like feel slighted because that stuff is, this stuff happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stuff goes in and out. I mean, it happens in comics. How many times has have like, I mean, I read Batman most of my life. Things dropped out of Canon were put back into Canon Mm -hmm. went back out of Canon. I mean, you know, after a while you're like, you, well, I don't even care anymore. That just, it's what happens. So don't worry about it. If this is something that already happened in a book (laughs) that you read somewhere or whatever, and now you say, it's, this is a, it's its own thing now. Watch the movies, enjoy them. Hopefully this is going to be a celebration of, you know, all of these years of Star Wars for us. Yeah. And as we move on, you know, to the next generation or the next era of whatever Star Wars is going to be.
1: So, that's a great segue. Yeah. Because late last week, they announced that John Favreau, would be working on a Star Wars film.
0: Great, I'm in.
1: I'm all in. Sure, I'm all in. And you know what? It's funny because I did. Of course, of course, the Twitterverse was like, saw someone say, "Oh, but what about Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Like, how dare John Favreau get get the, uh, you know, get the the pass and and not uh, and not Ryan Johnson? Yada and People, you know.
0: Wait, but somebody was actually
1: standing up someone for Ryan Johnson
0: in this pissed. trilogy.
1: Was, yeah!
0: Wow, Someone that's was shocking that enough. That Brian
1: Johnson's trilogy wasn't confirmed again. Amazing, and, that, and they were passing it over to John. You know, they were announcing John Favreau with you know some wow. work uh, being done by uh, Dave Filoni. And I'm like, you've man, gotta to love these, Twitter. Both of these guys are great for yeah. Star Wars. Sure. I don't
0: understand. Well, the be- <laughs> the beauty of it is, look, isn't this wonderful? How. People were criticizing J.J. Abrams after The Force Awakens, right? Oh, yeah. And then Ryan Johnson makes The Last Jedi, and then everybody... And then J.J. Abrams comes back as a conquering hero. Yeah, he's he to save, save the franchise. Yeah, so Ryan Johnson is like, you know, the Star Wars fandom is like excommunicating him. And everyone's happy that his trilogy keeps getting pushed aside or whatever and may never happen. And now... News comes out that John Favreau is making a Star Wars film, and it's like, wait, what happened to Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. come it's, on, oh guys, my god, it's really?
1: Just... Yeah.
0: Oh, god.
1: So, uh, like I said, John Favreau, though, dude, in my eyes, yeah, you can you can make a trilogy of Star Wars films too, because <laughs> this dude is. Sure. uh it, I, I mean, he's delivering some of the best Star Wars ever in the Mandalorian.
0: Well, yeah, so it's funny you you mentioned the Mandalorian because we'll get into the the episode 3 in a little in a bit, but I cannot believe and I mentioned this I think last week, maybe after the first no, I think it was last week, how I see more and more people who are like not big Star Wars fans that are loving the show like people in my that I actually know, I've seen people online on Twitter talking about it. Like there is this general consensus that like I I have yet to see a lot of like negative criticisms about the show. I'm sure it's yeah. out there. I don't care to look for it, but um I, this show is almost becoming like a unifier. <laughs> Yeah. For Star Wars fandom, both it's the Baby hardcore Yoda. fans, it's, yeah, <laughs> hardcore fans and casual fans, and like I've seen more and more people talking about this Mandalorian show, and rightfully so, it's unbelievable to me. And I, I almost feel like it's like, wow, like this could have been. I mean, it's great as it is. Don't get me wrong, but it's like maybe this could have been the, the next trilogy. But,
1: yeah. Um. Although I'm 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 so happy that they're you know keeping it to a live action TV show. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um I mean this is the this is probably the reason why James Mangold's uh Boba Fett solo story was kind of mixed. I mean, it was a combination of things. I think it was solo and
0: well, there was a whole lot of stuff yeah, going into that.
1: Yeah, and the re- rethinking of, you know, where do they want their solo solo stories to live? Their Star Wars solo stories to live. Yes. I mean, I am so happy um with everything that they're kind of crafting in, in the Mandalorian. Um, and that it's not Boba Fett to be honest with
0: exactly. you. Exactly. Cause it, it, that frees you a little bit. Oh, a hundred percent. Or a lot actually, but yeah.
1: Yeah. It allows. And I mean, the thing is too, so, you know, Boba Fett really isn't a true Mandalorian. Right. And okay, here I go geeking out. But, um, you know, I think that's, that's where, and that's sort of what worked really well in this episode was that they kind of pull pull the lid back yes. on you know what's happening with the mandalorians um you know and uh that reveal at the end of episode 3 of the sin is is like some of the best Wars I've ever seen
0: this that episode was just fantastic just, yeah oh, my god I mean this show's been great so far but that episode that's that one of those episodes where it's like when you're watching a show there's that epi- There's always like an episode early on where you're enjoying a show, but then like one of those episodes happens, and it's like, okay, this is like now my favorite show.
1: Yeah, it's like, the it's the the hallway scene in Daredevil. Yeah, it's this you know, is it's now one of those becoming
0: moments. Yeah, it's like now know. this is like special Star Wars now. Sure. Like this is not just like a a show like that's on it's this is like true star wars it's and it's like a special part of star wars it's something that like so many people are talking about and loving um uh, yeah i mean that, oh,
1: God, that and, and i think the thing too is like let's be real this is very different star wars it sure as well. is
0: yeah but it but it's, it does still feel star wars
1: though. yeah yeah
0: that's what's and, great about it
1: yeah it's, i mean it's it's well, first of all, this episode was done by Deborah Chow. Yes. Um who will be leading um the Obi-Wan series. So that that, can't wait. that is very promising for sure me. Sure is.
0: You still see you're starting to feel better and better about this.
1: Yeah. Oh man, cuz she she has crafted one of the the best episodes of TV ever. Um
0: I can't wait to have Rick Shue on when we get to gush about how awesome the Obi-Wan show is and we're going to have you sit like in mm. The corner or something.
1: Yeah, it might be next week. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick, Rick is like, ah, we gotta yeah. get a, do a show, and uh, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to pull another special guest on here, um, which you guys have not uh, had the the pleasure of meeting. uh, but is also a big Star Wars fan, so uh, we can unload on all that stuff. But yeah, so you know this this episode
0: this had everything in it. This episode.
1: Oh man, I, you know what I loved so much about episode three or chapter three is the stuff that isn't said the silent moments. Yeah. Um, and despite the fact that, you know, obviously he's in Mandalorian helmet and armor and all that, he can't emote. You see and feel everything you need to see. Yeah. Everything you need to understand about the character and his conflict. And, you know, when he ultimately makes that decision to go, go back for the child, um, that's just some of the, like, i am absolutely. Even though gotcha.
0: you kind of knew it was coming, yeah. But still, see, like. he keeps on asking the question. Yeah.
1: But it's like, at the end, when he does give it up and he gets the best car steal, you're like, you son of a bitch, you really were going to just leave the kid, okay? Yeah,
0: well, because right. you got, and you got to remember what, what he is at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, he's like, nah, I'm not, I'm going to basically, you know, going to go bite the hand that fed me. Yep and make this make this decision and uh and it was really cool. I mean, I think the the other thing too is just the the infighting too but behind the with the mandalorians was really great because in my mind the great purge was the purge of the Jedi, right? But I'm thinking that there obviously there was something else that may have happened um in between the, you know Order 66 and um and this moment in time okay. where where Mandalore was attacked um, or the, the refounding of Mandalore. Because if, if memory serves correct, Sabine Wren from Rebels unifies all of the clans, all the Mandalorian clans at the end of Rebels, right? And I'm wondering if the Empire at some point turns against them. Uh, because if you remember there Rebels takes place at the start of the rebellion. Right. So there may have been some sort of battle in between what we've seen in, in the episodes, you know, episode four, five, and six, uh, that impacts the Mandalorians. So I'm I'm excited to to learn more about what, what that's about and I'm sure we're gonna get something with his backstory because he can't be that old. You know what I mean? Right, of
0: course. Yeah, <laughs> I mean eventually so anyways, they're gonna have to flesh this out a little bit.
1: Yeah but, yeah, but suffice it to say, yeah, uh,
0: fantastic.
1: Watching all the Mandalorians kind of come out of hiding. And, oh, that was so great! Yeah, that's just uh, so dope. Yeah, and that and the, the little flyby scene. Yeah, where he's flying alongside the ship and gives him the, the the like hand wave and shit. Yeah, that's yeah. And, pretty sure that that guy was voiced by John Favreau himself.
0: <laughs> and Baby Yoda has become a cultural phenomenon. Oh, my God. Which I don't think they could have expected necessarily. I mean, everybody's talking about Baby Yoda. Everybody. It's like late night. Yeah.
1: They had, they had Daisy Ridley on, I think, uh, two nights ago or a night ago uh, on Fallon. And they um they asked her, you know, uh, Baby Yoda or the Porgs from uh, The Last Jedi. And uh, she's like, Baby Yoda.
0: Yeah, it's not even close. Baby Yoda is like the cutest thing ever.
1: It's the best thing in the world. And
0: how they fit, fa- the epic fail of all this however, is the fact that they're not going to have Baby Yoda toys available for the no holidays. No
1: merchandise.
0: That is brutal. How do you mess that up? I'm telling like, you. you telling me you can't rush something into production right now?
1: Dude, you, some, they're going to be a beat to the punch because I've already seen some, some people sculpting I'm sure. Baby Yoda. There's somebody
0: with a 3D printer right now that's going to be making yeah. a lot of money at the holo- during the holidays. Hell yeah. Illegally, be, but still.
1: They better be scouring Etsy. Yeah. Those things are going to be popping up left and right. I mean,
0: why wouldn't you have those just ready to go? Who, I mean, granted, I don't think they knew it was going to become this much of a cultural phenomenon, but why would you not have something ready anyway?
1: In time for the holidays. Yeah.
0: I mean, Which geez.
1: says something to me about, about what where, obviously, where their marketing dollars are going. Yes. Right. Right. right Skywalker. It's going to be a big thing.
0: Well, I get it. Sure. But
1: it's also you know because you've got Force Friday which dropped in September ish, and there was lots of stuff. You know, obviously Ray gets her lightsaber back and you know she recrafts the lightsaber. So there were you know those things were popping on store shelves, but they didn't blow the lid on the Mandalorian at all. Uh, up until that point, didn't you know what I'm saying? So there was I guess there was no appetite. It was like oh we're gonna focus on, on the films and hopefully the Mandalorian does well. Well, here you go. Baby Yoda's stealing the show.
0: Yeah. I mean it's um you know, it's incredible. The Mandalorian, I think, is playing much bigger than maybe they expected. It's certainly playing bigger than I expected, in the sense that, you know, it is still at the end of the day a show that's on a stream a brand new streaming service, right? That's still kind of getting its legs out, you know, getting its legs under it. Mm-hmm. Um and this thing is is playing like a like a Big time TV show or movie event. This is like an event. I mean, people are yeah. talking about it on. I watch watching sports this weekend. People were talking about it. Watching wrestling, people were talking. Like the announcers were referencing it. Like they're referencing this on like shows. I mean, it's. I mean, this is playing like a huge Star Wars event, and I didn't quite expect that. I'm glad it's happening because it's it's fantastic. But I think that speaks to the quality of the show.
1: Yeah, um, and so speaking of. It's viewership. The Mandalorian apparently dethroned Stranger Things as the top streaming TV show in the U.S., breaking its five-month streak.
0: I saw that. So um, a uh, a research firm uh, named Parrot Analytics mm-hmm. said that after the second week um, of the show, it was um, the most in-demand television series in the United States across all streaming platforms. <laughs> That's, it's yeah. nearly tripled its demand week over week as Disney Plus opts for a traditional weekly release schedule as opposed to Netflix binge method that provides all episodes. Um, the Mandalorian surge has ended, like you just said, Stranger Things, 21-week reign as America's most in-demand digital exclusive series. Now, these are numbers. I- I'm not sure exactly. So last week, The Mandalorian was 93.5 times more in demand than the average U.S. title. Episode three, The Sin, currently holds a series high one hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that that makes a difference, but so I'm not sure what these numbers are. This is cross platform audience demand, average mm. demand expression. So, th- however, this is what they use, I guess, to to right. uh, gauge this. Overall, The Mandalorian, one hundred million two hundred ninety five thousand eight hundred twenty four. Saturday Night Live was second, ninety eight million one hundred fifty four three hundred ninety three thousand. Again, I don't know what these numbers really mean, but mm. as far as digital originals, um, yeah, the second place was Stranger Things at eighty one million two hundred forty three nine hundred sixty two. So, um, whatever, based on whatever those numbers are for audience demand, yeah, the show is is huge, and yeah, it just you could tell when something is bigger than like, its genre or its thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't something... Like, you don't hear people, look, I love Rebels, right? I love the Clone Wars. I love all that stuff. But, you know, that's really still very much like a, like a hardcore fans thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, this show, when you start hearing it referenced on through other mediums like through other things like on sports shows on late night oh, yeah. shows on tv shows when you hear people talking about it like at the supermarket or you hear your co-workers who never talk about star wars or this stuff talking about it like it's now crossed over it's it's become a, a mainstream success yeah. um yeah and it's uh it again it's all the quality so sure john favreau who was steering the ship right I mean, right. why wouldn't you at this point want to hand him the reins to at least a Star Wars movie of some kind?
1: Seriously. Yeah.
0: Um, he's got the momentum right now. And I know, you know, Jon Favreau's another one. He's one of those directors a lot like JJ J. Abrams in a way that I I think almost becomes underrated because yeah. people hate on them because I guess they don't really take a lot of risks necessarily as filmmakers, but they make good movies, you know, and they make, you know, successful movies. So if I'm a studio head, that's a formula that I want to follow. Well, I mean, the other the other
1: part here, too, is that these guys have a love for cinema. Yeah. Like, they're not, these aren't like a cookie cutter. I, I mean, I say that, uh, and I don't even know who I'm describing here, but, I don't know, maybe like a Michael Bay or something like that. He's well, like the blockbuster king. They're better like than Michael, but he
0: doesn't make good movies, though.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you've got someone like John Favreau who loves stop motion, mm-hmm. right? Is creates his own created his own production company, which is which is producing The Mandalorian. Um, he's gonna be pursuing new projects like with stop motion, okay? So there's there's stuff like that. He has a love for Star Wars. Um, clearly. He voiced one of the major Mandalorian characters on the Clone Wars. He worked very closely with Dave Filoni to kind of craft that mythology. Then he brings this character to life. And he's also created one of the I I would say one of the most fondly remembered Christmas movies.
0: Elf. I was watching it before we started this uh, show actually.
1: Yeah. He's got an amazing show on Netflix which, which champions the culinary arts right mm-hmm. which is a spin off of a of a movie that he's you know what i'm saying yes, so i mean yes, this is, yes. this, is yeah. this is a guy who was immersed in was an actor himself yep you know uh started from the ground up created you know films like um uh what is it swingers. i'm sorry swingers you know and um he he's he's ushered in some of the biggest blockbuster films you know for disney yeah.
0: and and he is the guy that kicked off the mcu right you know i mean he made the. you could argue that he made the most important movie sure in the mcu because he took a b b list maybe maybe character in iron man and made a huge blockbuster film out of it that was critically well received that audiences flocked to and that was essentially the the thing that spearheaded that whole thing. I mean, if that movie's sure. not successful, who knows right. how much changes, you know, with history. Right. Um so yeah, I mean, obviously Feige steers that whole ship, but but Favreau was the guy. That Favreau had a lot of input early I mean, on.
1: Favreau dropped an Easter egg in that film that essentially started yeah. the MCU by dropping Captain America's shield. It was a gag.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And I mean, and they also have you know, Shield is introduced kind of, all right, in that, yeah. and yeah. So the idea, so yeah, he was, and then the, of course, the post credit scene and stuff, but which was also not necessarily meant to be serious either at the time, right? So yeah, I mean, the guy, look, the guy makes good movies. Um, I say, I again, I, I say, like J.J. J. Abrams. I mean, these are filmmakers that, yeah, granted, they they haven't taken a lot of like risks in the sense of like the types of films that they've made um but they who cares i mean these are event films and i would feel very comfortable having someone like john favreau leading the charge if i was producing an event film
1: dude zathura isn't a a risk
0: i i I like that movie
1: (laughs) it's a great movie yeah
0: it's another underrated (laughs) movie
1: yeah yeah um I'm a big fan of John Favreau. Yeah, me I really, too. I, I, I really am, I, and I've, I've actually watched a lot of his stuff, um, and I can see his, his love for the art form. Sure. Um, and J.J. So Abrams loves to films too.
0: You know, JJ The one thing I love about J.J. Abrams is the fact that he clearly grew up and loving the same types of movies that I did. Sure. You know he loved like the summer blockbusters, the Spielberg type stuff, the big mm-hmm. event films. especially he has a love for that, and you can tell. Like a lot of his films are love letters to that stuff. Even his missteps, there was still a an like a an honest attempt at what he's trying to do. Right. Right. Um, and that's all you really you can ask for, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Give John Favreau all the Star Wars you want. I'll, I'll consume all
0: of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm much more excited about him, the idea of him doing a Star Wars movie than I was about, like, Benioff and Weiss. Sure. You know, who are now no longer going to be involved in it. Um, and especially now. I mean, after seeing The Mandalorian. And and we don't know what his movie or movies is, are going to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about. I think we're starting to see now... You know, a little bit of the freedom of, you know, being able to tell these stories um, in these new worlds that we haven't seen yet mm-hmm. and how exciting that can be. And I guess yeah. that kind of ties into your point about, you know, why you didn't want an Obi-Wan show and all that's a movie mm-hmm. and all that stuff was because you wanted to have that freedom to like see these new worlds. But And my argument was always, well, you can still do that with obi-wan because there are still large portions of his life that we didn't see right um but, but he's
1: connected to a threat of course he is
0: yeah so yeah.
1: the mandalorian it's like
0: a although, rogue. yeah although rogue. with baby yoda that sort of yeah. connects yes. things a little bit more than you may have thought
1: sure it's funny everyone's like ah oh, baby yoda like what what happened to him i'm like Everyone's out there saying, "Oh, you know, Kylo Ren can be redeemed, but he's probably the one that murdered Baby Yoda."
0: Yeah, you ruined my day with that. <laughs> Prepare
1: one. yourself for that.
0: Yeah. Oh, God, that would, no. Oh, no. If,
1: if, if, I do know. Oh gosh,
0: that can't. They wouldn't. I mean, if
1: you really want to hate Kylo Ren, there it is.
0: Wow, that would be that would be quite the. Oh, the you? Killing, you
1: know, killing of younglings is one thing, but you kill that baby Yoda. No, that's for a new level. We're rioting
0: now. You better get those <laughs> toys out there fast. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, a couple final things in the um, i do not think anybody do you really care department. Um, we were talking about remakes and things like that. So, Elizabeth Banks, of course, uh, is going to be starring and directing in The Invisible Woman for Universal Pictures. You excited about that?
1: Didn't even know. I did see the trailer for The Invisible Band though. Yeah. Did
0: you see that? Uh no, I haven't yet.
1: That's terrifying. Is it? I, Yeah. It terrifying really
0: is. in the sense of like terrifying while wow, that's a scary. No, movie. it actually looks really good. Oh, does it?
1: Oh yeah, go check that out. All right. I'm gonna Recommendation for the week. Okay. And if for anyone, uh go check out that Invisible Man trailer. All
0: right. And they also uh said a story that Albert Hughes, who um directed, I think, Book of Eli and um a couple other movies, he um He's going to be directing a, a another remake of The Fugitive? Oh, okay.
1: God. Yeah. Is it necessary?
0: Well, I mean I I've gone on record on this show before saying that I think the The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones is a perfect film for what it needs yes. to be. And so for me no. I don't see how you can improve on mm. that. I don't see no. why it needs to be updated. I think that story still stands. I mean, I get it. That movie was a remake of a TV show. I understand that. Sure. But but that movie updated the TV show in a way that I don't know that you can update this story much more. I mean, other than setting it in modern times, but that's not really much of a reason to. That's a literal update. Mm. I mean, update and add to the story. Um, You know what the movie did with The Fugitive was different in a way than what the, the TV show did, even though it was the same concept, same characters. It expanded and in some ways actually shrunk the story a little bit to fit it sure. to the screen. So I don't know where you go with it from here. Mm. Um, so I don't know. And also Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I guess coming on the the heels of the disappointment of Godzilla, King of the Monsters... They've moved back uh, Godzilla versus Kong to November 2020. I think it was supposed to be March, originally. Yeah. Now that's interesting though because it's not like November is like a dead period for movies.
1: Oh no, I, that's that's a tricky. So I don't
0: know where to go with that story. Like, uh, on one hand, it's like, huh did they did they want to separate it a little bit more because the last movie didn't really do much, so they want to give a little bit more time. Maybe people yeah, forget about I, it. I
1: have no idea what the rationale yeah. is with that move. Or did they
0: just see a cut and were like, "Oh my god, this is going to be fantastic! Let's move it to November." Yeah, let's or make it,
1: a competitive film. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what
0: to do with that. And That's a weird one. Like twenty
1: twenty 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 is a busy a busy year. Yes, it is.
0: If they had moved it to like September, then I'd be like, hmm, you know, they'd be like, eh, all right. Maybe they don't have a lot of confidence in it. But November, March to November. Right. You know, I don't know. (laughs) Not sure what to do with it. But I don't know how I feel about that movie. I mean, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, I'm a huge King Kong fan. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, the original, was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, I did not like Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. I haven't seen that. And I thought that Godzilla King of the Monsters, I think like I mentioned on the show, was a good God, good hour and 45 minute Godzilla film but that was two hours and 20 minutes long. mm mm-hmm.
1: uh, I not see that either.
0: Yeah, so I don't... And I, I liked Kong Skull Island a, way more than I thought.
1: Yeah, I Skull Island was a great movie, yeah. but again, I haven't seen any of these Godzilla films. So
0: I, I think I would be kind of excited about Godzilla vs. Kong, but I just I don't know I'm not sure what like to do. as really. long as there's no humans. Well yeah, that's always <laughs> damn humans keep getting in the way.
1: In the way, just squash them.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway. All right. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, that's is that it?
0: I think that's it for this week. All right. Let's uh. Well, let's do some plugs. Sure. Um, we'll get out of here. Yeah. The dot com. You can go there to listen to the episodes, buy some merch. We have our new line, I'm Cool iPodcast, uh, T-shirts, mugs, magnets, pins, everything you can get your hands on. Um, it. Let me tell you, I, I have a bunch of these myself. The design looks Sit great on. on all of those different mediums. So if mm-hmm. you're a podcaster, if you're someone who listens to podcasts, if you're someone that guests on podcasts, this is the... Item. This is the design that you want, whether you do it as a shirt or a mug or a pin or all of it. Um, it's very cool. We have it in many colors. The original design is a white shirt uh, and then the, the variation is on um, black and other multicolored shirts. Um, so check those out. Uh, there's probably going to be a sale going on, I would assume. For uh, mm-hmm. Black, Friday Black Friday And for the holidays um, So check that out uh, You can help support this show a little bit as well And of course just be cool Because who doesn't want to be cool <laughs> um, And of course we want you to join the conversation uh, You can find us on all the various social medias Twitter, Instagram, Facebook The Fanboy Garage And you can find me on Twitter At Real CL Mighty
1: And you can find me on Twitter At Starting Sith. Thanks again, as always, for listening. If you do like the show and you dig what we've got going on here, please do leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbeam, on wherever it is that you're listening to us. And uh, we hope that you and yours have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.